0: Hello and welcome back to Elevate Ordinary, a show that's strangely hard to write clickbait titles for, I guess given the theme, for some reason. Today we're talking about rereading books. We'll see in a moment. Well, welcome back to Elevate Ordinary. I'm your host, John Mark Grody,
1: And I'm Teresa Grody.
0: And here we're back with, I guess this is like a second season of Elevate Ordinary here at Awaken Catholic. We've got just a new studio. Isn't it beautiful? Yeah, a lot of neat stuff happening here at Awaken Catholic. Uh, one of the neat things is the new app. Uh, if you go check that out at awakenapp.io, theawakenapp.io. You can also download it now from the Apple Store or the Google Play Store, those kinds of places. Um, it's really neat. Uh, it's a, a growing community of people. ...who are passionate about this mission of sharing uh, truth through beauty and being part of these discussions, getting to know the hosts, um, sharing and helping to promote this mission. It's a pretty neat place, a lot of cool stuff there from the Awaken Catholic Ministry. Uh, and if you're part of the Awaken Nation, which you can join by going to awakencatholic.org donate... Um, then there's other cool stuff in the app for you too as well. So please do that if you're if you like this mission, if you're passionate about this work, we'd love to have you as a partner in sharing truth through beauty. And also, while you're at it, go to halo.app slash awaken and download the Hallow app. Uh, it's a great uh, uh, meditation app. We've been listening to Father Mike Schmitz.
1: Like everybody else. In the uh, everybody world, else yes.
0: in the, the whole world at the <laughs> right now. The the Bible in a year thing that's on the Hallow app. There's a lot of other neat stuff to help with your prayer life, to help make that more part of your day. And if you download it through Hallow.app slash awaken, you get a free thirty day premium subscription, which also supports our ministry as well. So I don't think I missed anything there. Yeah. So uh, as I said, uh, we're back with another seemingly really boring sounding topic, but I think it's pretty exciting. Really
1: sell it, hon. <laughs>
0: Well, that's the nature of what we're doing here. I guess like, as we we go, launch into a second season, um, that's what we're doing here. That's the whole point of that's the theme of our show, right? Yeah. That uh, it's finding the ro- the romance in the ordinary thing. It's finding not, not necessarily the the the, the marital, uh, sexy romance, oh, but like the oh, romance of life. Back
1: on topic, in the ordinary,
0: <laughs> uh, the ordinary things. You know, it's there. You don't have to go out there to find that adventure, to find that purpose, that meaning that God's called called you to. It's there in the ordinary vocation. You just have to to find it, look for it. So uh, one of the places you can find it is in a book that you've already read but probably should read again.
1: That's right. So elevate rereading today. Yes. Um, So first of all, before we even get into this, uh, we love books. And you can tell by these like stacks, these piles of books on the table that we really worked hard to cull down our library of things we were going to bring in the bag to talk to you about today. Um, Mm -hmm. But— would comment below on the app, on Facebook, on YouTube, wherever you're watching this. Um, let us know what your favorite books are. Which ones have you re- reread? Um, Which
0: books are the old friends uh, for you at this point that you go back to, you return to, you visit, spend time with, Tam and again? We want to hear about that. This is I not a solo cup, by the way. This is a this is a mug. <laughs> I got to turn it the right way. Not a red. Otherwise, it looks that, like a solo cup. <laughs> it's
1: Not secret drinking.
0: <laughs> you can elevate rereading by uh, uh, having the right solo cup the right. <laughs> in it. Yeah. Anyway. Go
1: ahead. So I came up with this topic because I am not a like childhood reader. Mm-hmm. OK, so I hated reading. It was like one of my least favorite subjects in school. Um, and then as I got older and I chose, you know, to become a historian, I kind of became a nonfiction snob. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't understand why people read f- fiction when they could just read Someone telling them how it was. Like, why would you waste your time in fiction?
0: You're super utilitarian <laughs> when it comes to books. book.
1: I really, really was, yeah. She
0: still married me, though. I mean, so there's something.
1: It could have turned out differently if I knew you liked fiction. Yeah, it could have, it could have been.
0: Yeah, yeah. Could have been. <laughs> Providence happened.
1: All I heard about was, was The Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And I knew that that was a movie, so it didn't, it didn't threaten me. Um, so it, the very first time that I had not thought about consuming a book as kind of like a checklist, like something to accomplish, like a country to visit, a state to visit, you know, somebody's, you know, some historical figure's grave or or, um, battlefield to just check off my list as a place that I had been, as an experience that I had conquered, um, was after my conversion or or, like reversion to Catholicism. And I was reading a book called Finding Sanctuary. by abbot christopher jameson he's like he's the abbot of a monastery a benedictine monastery in england and i think that they were kind of big because they had a tv series where they let like everyday businessmen come and like hang out at the monastery um and watch the psychosis that (laughs) ensued i think um but he quotes this uh priest father michael casey talking about lexio divina now lexio divina is the church's version of exactly what we're talking about today. So Lectio Divina is a method of reading scripture or we're, spiritual text. Um, so it's a method of reading scripture, which is something obviously that you would reread and reread and reread mm-hmm. and never tire of. And God forbid you understood the entire Bible on Presumed. your first time through yeah. um, as like a 20-year-old or something. Um <laughs>
0: been there read yeah. that
1: I, know, right?
0: <laughs> I gave it a three Jack. up on goodreads lit, you know? it's
1: exactly what we're three doing stars. with the father mike schmidt's bible in a year right <laughs> <laughs> so um the plot okay, so the let's plot's iffy,
0: character <laughs> development and so so you know no, no, I'm good. Go a ahead. lot of I'm violence ahead. Going on. yeah <laughs> strangely violent oh, sometimes uh, yeah,
1: and it's kind of fluffy no i'm kidding <laughs> i'm just kidding um Oh gosh, that's blasphemy, isn't it? Yeah, well, okay, anyway, press sorry. Press on. Press on. sorry, we have a topic yourself. here. Reread Lexio Divina. Lexio Divina, yeah. So, it's a method of reading a text, um, rereading the text with yourself in it, or like a particular visualization of what you just read in mind, um, sitting with the text in kind of like silence or just in front of God and then seeing what sticks out to you in that text and then taking that particular reading it back again with that particular thing that stuck out to you i mean different people practice it differently right. but it's kind of a it's a it's a certain kind of reading so this australian monk father michael casey says of lexio divina lexio divina is not only a means of discovering something about god it also helps us understand our hidden selves it is not the alienating absorption of a message that is foreign or even hostile to our deepest aspirations it is a surprising conclusion that our most authentic level of being is mirrored in the scriptures he says let the text come to you um and so when i first did dive into fiction mm-hmm. we listened to the audiobook of cs lewis's space trilogy
0: did you know that cs lewis has a space trilogy it's surprising. We've told that to some diehard C.S. <laughs> Lewis fans, and they're like, "What? C.S. Lewis wrote okay. a science fiction?" Science Actually, trilogy. a
1: lot of people say they can't get past Paralandra.
0: Oh, right? it's so disappointing.
1: Which is why I think you should. This is us. you got to reread this it. Is a spoiler. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll this get there. is a spoiler from where we're going in this episode, but I think yes. you should treat yourself and get the, <laughs> treat yourself. <laughs> yeah, and get the audiobook and have it read to you. Yes,
0: you're not cheating.
1: Wait, we'll get to this. Oh,
0: shoot! Spoiler. We'll get to this. That's Go okay. Ahead.
1: So rereading really helped me learn how to stand in awe of a text. Mm-hmm. stand in awe of the muse of an author mm-hmm. the thing that wasn't mine like
0: the animating soul of a piece yeah, of mine.
1: yeah rather than to like have the book figured out mm-hmm. um which i think that like my education kind of set me up for yeah. like analyzing rather than letting the literature work on me It makes us
0: very consumerist about about the information like you, you get in you get what you need to get out
1: yeah i know. thought people who reread were like lazy and that's all they did all day was like sit around and like do nothing. Or they were just being like lazy about learning other things. Yeah. You just you know? stay in your own box. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, it's a great place to start with that, with that, that quote from, uh, from the monk because... Go ahead. You I'm going to finish the quote you just that that? real quick. Go okay.
1: From. So he says that repetition is the soul of genuine lexio. It is a right brain activity. We do not grasp the entire content immediately, but in a circular manner. We read and advance, then we go back and we read again. With each repetition, something new may strike us.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's so good. And it's a great place to start again with this because I think when we think of that in co- the context of Scripture, this makes sense to us. Like, yeah, you're not going to presume. That's that's why we were being so jocular earlier is, yeah, why would you presume to to know the Bible, to understand it the first time through? No, that's not going to happen. You, you're expecting, no, I'm going to have to visit this and revisit this and hear it in different formats, hear it proclaimed to me multiple times, and at different parts of my life, different times, different things are going are to pop out to me. God's going to speak to me in different ways. Now, Scripture is literature par excellence. You know, it is the inspired, the divinely inspired literature. But in an analogous sense, to a lesser degree, but still there. I think all good literature has that quality to it. If it's inspired, if it's, if it's, if it's good literature, there is this spark of the muse, of this inspiration to it. And and it, it bears some resemblance, analogous resemblance, to um, to how we read Scripture in the sense that, that, exactly what you're talking about there in that quote, that in the rereading um, the text uh, a good work of literature, it's it speaks to us in a certain way. Maybe the first time we read it, we're sort of pursuing the plot. We're rushing along. But if we come back to it, for if, again, if it's a good work of art, if it's a good book, then there's a part of it that you needed to kind of sit back and let it uh, reach out to you, mm-hmm. let it speak into your life. You need to sit with it, rest with it a little bit. And Again, that's obviously, we accept that with Scripture, but I guess our argument here is that uh, there are a lot of books out there well, maybe not. I don't know. Proportionally speaking, in the big scheme of things, I don't know if it's a lot, but there yeah. are books that bear that rereading.
1: Yeah, and as you uh, get older, too, and do a rereading, like say you're reading our seven year old daughter is reading like a Cliff's Notes version um, or a abridged version, I guess, not Cliff's Notes, um, yeah. of Little Women right now. Yeah. This is like her third chapter book ever. You know, she just oh, started She's to getting learn how so to read. into it.
0: She's giving me daily updates when I come home from work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So she, um, so she's reading Little Women now. But I know that the book is chunky and big. Mm-hmm. And I know that the second, you know, the second time that she reads it or the third time that she reads it when she's an older girl, yeah. you know, or a young woman, it's going to take her in different places. Just like now, I really look at Marmy in a completely different way yeah. as a mother. She's less foreign to me and more virtuous and incredible. Yeah. Um. So and also when I heard of people rereading books, I would think of it in that way, maybe, perhaps. Like, I was younger when I read this, mm. and now I'm older, and so it gives me perspective. And again, kind of like a me-based analysis. Mm. You know, still like, oh, there's value, possibly, in rereading later. Mm. But what really inspired me for this episode was rereading something immediately after I finished it.
0: That's, you know, that's just crazy. Yeah, you were telling me about this the other day. Yeah, so, it kind of blew my mind.
1: So yeah. the first time I read something immediately after was when I had pregnancy insomnia with our fifth. And I was up for like hours at night. And I was going through Jane Austen's. Um, I became a huge fan of Jane Austen. And I was reading her major novels like in a row. Um, And I remember I finished Pride and Prejudice And I closed it and it was still the middle of the night and I was still wide awake. And I was like, I do not have the energy to get out of bed and get another book. And honestly, I don't even want to change to another author. No, I don't even want to change to another universe. I just want to read this again. And I flipped it over and I started it again immediately after I just finished it. And I couldn't believe the foreshadowing. And the character that I was recognizing in her, the first part of her character descriptions, that I knew, the develop, I knew intimately the development that was coming because I had just finished it. Probably, I mean, this was probably maybe the fifth time that I had read *Pride right. and Prejudice*, so it wasn't like my first and second time. Um, like I knew it very intimately, but it was so fresh in my mind that it was like I was going back for a second date with a person, you know, like a second encounter with a person after I had, you know, I'd just seen them or um, coming back to an old friend, like you say. And I I was just, my mind was blown. And then I was like, I'm, re- re- I'm going to do this with all of her novels now. And I kind of like started over again yeah. with this course of like all of her novels. It's like
0: reading the New Testament and Old Testament together. You know, unless you do them together, you're missing all these interconnections. You're, you're seeing all the mm-hmm. prefigurements of Christ. You're seeing all the types, all the forms, all the references. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you read it too distinctly and, uh, and you never yeah. can get those connections that, that are all through there in Scripture, but are also in there in great works of literature. That's what a great book involves. A great story has those connections.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, I've got a question for you. Yes. This is a trick question because I'm going to smash you with my answer. For me? For them. <laughs> okay. For them. Okay. All so is, is, have, is listening to the audiobook cheating?
0: Tell us in the comments.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right now. Live. Well, right no. now. So, you no, can... so my answer is absolutely not. No. no and no. here's the reason why. Okay. So I, I'm con- going to continue with my affinity for
0: Yes. Jane Austen. Go for it. Okay.
1: So I started out liking her movies only, Mm -hmm. thinking she was like a Victorian romance novel Mm -hmm. list, which is just so wrong. Um, And so I started out liking her movies, and then I picked up Pride and Prejudice Mm -hmm. and read it because I knew it very, very, very well. And I started to read her things – of movies that I had watched. And I was like, Oh, there's one called Northinger Abbey. Maybe I'll try that book. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd never heard of it, never read it. And I was like, well, I know Jane Austen well enough. I'm, I'm good at reading now. <laughs> and so I started reading it and I was just like, I know I'm missing something. Mm-hmm. Like these characters just sound so boring and plain. And I know I'm missing something. So I found the movie version of Northinger Abbey and I watched it. And it's a satire of a, like a Gothic uh, um, what's it called? Not romance novel, but a gothic like um, horror horror novel. You know, you know the like popcorn. The Monk or Udolpho. Yeah. You know, like very at the time when she was, when people were writing, those are very scandalous and like yeah. you consumed them like novels. You know, um, and it was a it was an insanely witty um, satire of it. And so, like, I opened the book back up again after I'd watched the movie a couple times, and I was just like, oh my gosh, she's brilliant. She's brilliant and witty and ironic. Mm-hmm. Um, But I would not have gotten that. And I think that that's maybe why so many people don't know that C.S. Lewis has a space trilogy or honestly don't care about it. Because the, the middle book, Paralandra, is just a ton of chasing and descriptions. Yeah. It's very long with chasing and descriptions. And you do kind of like, I remember reading it for the first time after having listened to the audiobooks maybe three times. And reading it for the very first time and just being like, wow, I would not have gotten through this. Right. There's no way I would have ever finished that book if I had picked it up. And now it's like one of the most important books in our marriage. I mean, we named our homeschool after it. Our philosophy and outlook on life, excuse me, is based on the third book. Um, But I wouldn't have we wouldn't have done it if we hadn't have chosen the audio. Right.
0: You know, it's interesting. So one of my favorite books here, how to read a book. Sounds pretty compelling, huh? Pretty, pretty, pretty riveting yeah this guy he's like really <laughs> really excited about reading it. it's a great book it's by mortimer adler who is a philosopher uh, a 20th century philosopher uh and it's actually a surprisingly interesting fascinating book um and one of the things that the book does is it it does actually surprise you with many of the recommendations on how to go about reading that that counter maybe your own intuitions so one of the things again that keeps people i think getting into reading the first time, uh, let alone rereading is we, we come to books oftentimes with these weird compunctions, these weird sense of obligation that if, if I start a book, well, I have to finish it. And if I'm going to read a book, I need to read it closely. I need to not miss a single thing. He, he refutes both of those things. I mean, he, he, he kind of points out that, you know, not every book is worth reading once, let alone reading twice. And the first time you read through a book, um, like take a, a a fiction book, for instance. the first time you read through a book, you have this temptation, what feels like a temptation, to kind of skim through it and just enjoy the the thrill of the plot and maybe not linger long on you know this song or poem or the long descriptions of a scene or scenery or whatever. And he says that you know that's okay. Mm-hmm. The first time you're reading through a book,
1: which is absolutely the antithesis of what I learned as right. literary analysis. In school, like if you miss something, if you don't understand something, you're just not going to get this book, right. you know. And so you you like nickel and dime every sentence, you know, through everything to go back and reread. And because half the time, lost, you just give up. You don't yeah. finish it.
0: You know what he's saying. So there are there are good books out there. Not every book is worth that that close reading or a rereading. And so with that in mind, you should give yourself permission to start books, but not necessarily have to finish them. That's that's point number one.
1: I'm good at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I
0: am too, for, for various reasons. But but number two, like give yourself permission, whether it's a fiction or a nonfiction book, to start with a light read. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's a nonfiction book, skip to the end, see where it's going. You know, look at the the table of contents, look at the index, get a sense of the chapter headings, get a sense of where this thing is going, and then, as he recommends, give it a skim. You know, read through it quickly because if it's worth. Reading, If it's really a worthwhile book, it'll be worthwhile reading more closely a second time.
1: Or perhaps give yourself permission to have the performance of it first.
0: Ah, and that, yeah, that gets us back to that. that with that in mind, um, with we're talking about great literature especially, that different types of reading, uh, reading it once uh, quickly, reading it a second time maybe more closely, or having it read to you. They're different experiences and different aspects of them will come out. Actually, yeah, listening to a book is uh, the first time is a great way to get into maybe a challenging piece of literature, you know, because you can sit back a little bit and let it be read to you.
1: Well, and let a person who has the who has put in the time previously, who knows the book, who knows yeah. the author, who knows the muse, they love it, mm-hmm. and they're reading to you. I'm thinking of Marianne in Sense and Sensibility who can't stand how dry Edward reads. You know, she needs someone to read and who knows the text and has poured through it a million times. And that's actually, like, the, what we have with audiobooks, you don't have to listen to an Edward read you anything. Right. You know, when you, it's a great gift that I think we have in... in audiobooks but also like in the performance like when you read Shakespeare
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: like you I remember in high school reading Shakespeare for the first time and I was like this is so boring we read Romeo and Juliet and I expected it to be this amazing thing it's Romeo and Juliet and this is Shakespeare I'm, and I'm, I'm bite- reading it I'm like I, I bite my thumb at you sir you bite your thumb at me yes I bite my thumb at you sir.
0: what you the know? heck is going on And you're on. just like
1: this is so stupid <laughs> yeah. but then you watch like the Claire Danes, Leonardo DiCaprio ber- version. And you're like, oh, he yeah. bites his thumb in hair. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you finally get it. You get what he's saying, but you couldn't enter into it because you're so far removed from the time period or from the author or from their struggles or whatever. And you're giving somebody who has a love and who has glimpsed the muse of Shakespeare, mm-hmm. who has let that, like, come into them and then perform it to you. You're allowing them to... Read it to you, and you're letting it happen to you. One of my favorite mm-hmm. books that I don't have here, unfortunately, is called "The Awakening of Miss Prim" mm-hmm. by Natalia San Martin Fenoyera. Um, but she—it's a book about a man who assumes his dead sister's like seven children or something like that, yeah. and he's like a bachelor man with a big library, the man in the winged chair, um, and. He, he has like a very weird way of homeschooling the children mm-hmm. um, rather than like analyzing good art. Like he's very big about art and literature and yeah. Latin and languages and things like that. But rather than analyzing the art, he takes the kids like all over the world mm-hmm. you know, to like Russia to sit in front of the great icon yeah. in its place there in front of it. And rather than analyzing or talking about it or talking about the history of the author, he just sets them in front of it. And like the woman who comes into the story, you know, is shocked that these children, these little this little like five-year-old or whatever, could redraw this icon by hand. Mm. But it was because they just let it occur yeah. to them. And sometimes I think the performance of it, rather than like trying to strong arm and muscle and work through the text the first time in particular, yeah. um, is that you can let it happen to you. And then when you do read, like reading allows you to stop. Mm-hmm. Like You can't really stop a play. I mean, you can stop your audiobook, but it allows you to stop and, like, think about that sentence that you just read. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Jane Austen, I'm sorry, I love Jane Austen, <laughs> sometimes she's so ironic yeah. and clever that, like, I just like to read something and just, like, oh, like, just yeah. think about <laughs> the person that just won up to the other person and they don't even get it.
0: <laughs> yeah, that approach that, you know, the analytical approach to literature, that, that we do tend to put that first. That comes a little bit out of our worldview as, as moderns. You know, our over, overly empirical, analytical sort of worldview, we treat that kind of knowledge, empirical, scientific kind of knowledge, as the only kind of knowledge. And it's not that it's not useful knowledge or a useful way of exploring, but it's not the only one. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't go about relationships that way. You know, you, don't, you can't yeah. meet people and analyze the crap out of them.
1: It runs the danger of lacking humility.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You And so it's, it's, it's a useful kind of an approach to a book or to knowledge or to a person. But it has to come second to the experience of the thing, of the person, of the play, and I think that's again one an important thing about giving yourself permission to just just experience the thing first. Don't worry the first time you read a book about about you know catching every detail, you know catching every reference, catching all all the details of each scene or the scenery. No, no, just experience it. Just be be, be let yourself be pulled away mm-hmm. in it, and then the second time or the third time, mm-hmm. that's you you can do a deeper read. You can you can read more closely. Um you know it reminds me a little bit we've talked before about uh, quality versus quantity time mm-hmm. in relationships. you know we we have this sense that well, what we all need in our relationships is more quality time, you know really good quality where we're, we're you know we're 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 all there, carefree timelessness, it's really good. and that's obviously important. but sometimes we put such a high premium on that. we make such an ideal out of it that um it first of all, it never happens. <laughs> Or we're waiting, waiting around for it to happen uh, and and we find it frustrating when really what we need is just time with people, quantity time. We just need to be with people. And in the context of that being, in the context of that quantity, with our families, with our friends, then we find those moments for real quality time. Mm-hmm. Like that, It's the same thing with scripture. It's the same thing with prayer. It's the same thing with good books. Sometimes you need the quantity. You need to just get through the book once or twice first. Mm-hmm. And then a great work of art will... Uh, unfold for you in a different way and again to experience it in a few different ways maybe to a quick skim first and then maybe have it read to you a great, the, the great audiobooks uh, that are out there um, and then uh, you, you you'll find there's a whole lot more to it maybe than mm-hmm. you thought the first time around
1: yeah and I, I think we're we talk um we've been talking particularly about novels but i'm thinking right now of a, a very different book Mm-hmm. Um, Cardinal Seurat's The Power of Silence. Mm-hmm. We have an upcoming episode on silence, uh, so stay tuned. Uh, but this book is a spiritual read. Yeah, It's a lot like scripture in terms of like, I don't sit down and blow through like three books of scripture at the you same mean, time. You cliff notes, Cardinal, you know, come on. Like I noticed, yeah. this was the first book that I noticed that I needed to like, I needed to stop. Yeah. You know, I needed to read a paragraph and just like, kind of like lift my head up and let that paragraph break on me Mm -hmm. and like let it like plunge the depths of my being. (laughs) It sounds like a scary read, but it's not, it's, it's incredibly readable, but it it was not a book like I had read before, you know, like you're just working through the plot or whatever. It was just like one that, I mean, I just had to take a step back and, but I've, I'm on my second read now through this and it's, I think it is probably going to be a book like scripture that I'm reading for the rest of my life, mm-hmm. like just continuously. Yeah.
0: It's interesting that so many parallels between this and like relationships that keep com- keeps coming to mind. Again, if you approach your relationships to what would say analytically or like we do this all the time with conversation, right? We get in a conversation with someone and we have an agenda. I, I want to get in here. I want to get done what I was here to do to teach this personal lesson or to correct them where they were wrong. And then I want to be done. And that's not, you can't build a relationship on that. There has to be a listening. There has to be an expectation that I'm going to discover something new here. I'm going to learn something new from this conversation. And that's what a book is. It's a conversation with that author about their fictional idea that they helped to midwife into existence from the muse, from God. I love that. Or it's, uh, you know, in a nonfiction, a spiritual work or a practical work, it's a conversation with them about, uh, about a certain topic. And so there has to be uh, the give and the take. Uh, And so, again, the different types of reading and different uh, reads and rereads, you know, uh, let let those unfurl. Another aspect of this I was thinking is that um, the connection between repetition and culture, um, whether we're talking about culture in large Mm -hmm. or the culture of a family. We talk a lot about the the family culture.
1: Culture of the Catholic Church. Yeah. All about repetition.
0: And, And if there's never... I mean, we live in an age with our media and our, our technology where we could, if we wanted to, if we allowed ourselves to, uh, we could spend our whole lives um, experiencing a breadth of experience but never encountering a depth of experience. We talked about this a little bit before on the coffee episode mm-hmm. with Seth. Uh, Seth. Seth Payne joined us last year to talk about coffee. And we talked about that that notion here that you could, you could, if you wanted to, you could go through life constantly experiencing new things. But if you if you only did that, You'd experience one one dimension of life, mm-hmm. you know, the x-axis, the, the horizontal aspect of life, the breadth. But there's another dimension. There's a depth in things.
1: Yeah, I remember first reala- realizing this when our oldest was a toddler. Yeah. And we had started letting him watch TV for the first time because I had just had a second baby and that was that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and we started watching this one episode of Travel with Kids, Rome like a 30 minute episode where these two little kids around his age went with their parents, you know, around Rome. Yeah. Very exciting. And he got so like, he just loved, he knew how the music was going to change after a while. He knew like what was coming next. He knew some of the words, you know, Pantheon, you know, things like that. Um, and, then we switched to Thomas the Train. Hmm. I started to get guilty. I was like, "Is this going to warp <laughs> him if like we just continue to let him watch this one thing over and over again?" And so we switched to Thomas the Train on Netflix, and it was like one series, one you know, it was a yeah. TV series. Um, and I noticed that for the first time, he would like scream and cry when I turned the TV off, because. He knew what was not, and he wouldn't be well, happy he had a craving with the older for that episodes. novelty, you yeah. know, like the auto feed, the auto school, the There was scroll, going to be more. Autoplay. But before, it never occurred to him that there was more travel with kids. Mm-hmm. It was just that episode we go back to over and over again, you know, like the Winnie the Pooh he movie. He had this is familiarity over, it's to it. it. Done.
0: And, and yeah, it was interesting. There was a piece about a family, you know, yeah. like not, not that he should watch TV all the time, but if you're going to watch stuff, we just noticed that there's something different about finding something really good and beautiful mm-hmm. and then returning to that over and over. You know, and getting to know it better versus constantly uh, getting into novelty,
1: or or just like viewing education as like amassing all the experiences, yeah, rather than as, as much as you can possibly throw into that brain, yeah, um, is fundamentally different than filling a mind with like good and truth and beauty, and then allowing it to be bored and and plunge deeper on its own, yeah, you know. And we see that in nature, like when you go for nature walks, the changing of the season, you don't have to point out all those things to your kids yeah. or to yourself. You'll start to notice them. You'll start to get to know them. You know, nobody's out there analyzing them up and down with you. They, they you know, oughtn't to be. Shut oughtn't, up. I know, I know. Stop it!
0: I want to read a quote that relates. shut up. No, 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 no. The fictional person <laughs> that was that was ruining our nature walk. Um, I wanted to read this quote by Henry David Thoreau that connects to the, the breadth versus depth thing, as well as the nature walk and all that. He writes, I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life and see if I could not learn what it had to teach and not, when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. I did not wish to live what was not life. Living is so dear. Nor did I wish to practice resignation unless it was quite necessary. I wanted to live deep and suck out all the marrow of life. To live so sturdily and Spartan-like as to put to rout all that was not life, to cut a broad swath and shave close, to drive life into a corner and reduce it to its lowest terms. So he was writing that because he did this sort of experiment. He went and lived out by this pond, you know. Mm-hmm. But the whole point was he was he was simplifying. Uh, so there was less in his life, that, but he could go deeper into those things. Mm-hmm. And again, so we this topic of breadth versus depth. We apply to lots of things. We did it to coffee. Today, with the idea of rereading, we're kind of thinking of that in terms of books. That there, there are good books uh, out there, um, and and you need to give your permission to to find them. So don't feel like you have to finish every single one. Find one that's worth rereading, and then go deep in it.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I I encourage you to pick a book that you've read, reread it, and then reread it right away, and then tell us like, which yeah. one it is so we can get. Yeah, it. Right. Yeah, that's right. So we'll share just a couple, just a yeah. couple, not this is, couple. This is the reading
0: rainbow read section. This
1: is what we about this is what our our marriage is like this is what our i said i'm gonna share a couple like. and he's gonna tell me that a couple means two a cu- when to me a couple could mean like a handful <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> a couple means two otherwise
1: so okay so our anyway plugs, we i've already mentioned like a lot of these yes so emma jane austen's emma mm-hmm. is one that i read and reread and love yes what about you Oh, well. But we can alternate. We I'm can alternate.
0: Gonna, I'll just share a couple here. I mean, obviously. Let's alternate. Obviously. Okay. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> you know, I have read. I kind of keep that on a repeat. You know, every every year or two, I pick it back up and, and go through that trek with those familiar characters. And again, it is a great work of, of fiction, of literature. And so the, there is something new every time. You know, there is a depth to the characters, to the themes. And so, yeah, it definitely bears rereading. Yeah.
1: So what I don't have here is... Uh, Jennifer Fulweiler's One Beautiful Dream. I think I've read that maybe like six times and I think we've bought it maybe a dozen times and just like handed it out like candy at Halloween Mm -hmm. (laughs) to people. What's another? Babe, you brought some
0: of C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters.
1: That's right. We've done that as a group too. That's a great one to read That's a great group study with people, yeah. Yeah. Lark Rise to Candleford. Mm -hmm. Um, Our uh, producer, uh, Alina De La Torre, put into our... (laughs) looking at me right now our producer um put into our opening montage bees uh, bees because we love uh lark rise to candleford bees, bees, bees. your yeah. master is dead you must work for your missus now bees
0: <laughs> that one's gonna go over great on the podcast um Joseph Pieper's the four cardinal virtues if you i, I constantly am talking about virtue on, on the show it's because this constantly. book on the virtues yeah.
1: Can't even handle. I'm all constantly of going through it. We can't handle all of our books. The Benedict yeah. Option. Yeah, by Rod Dreyer. That's one I know is going to be. We've reread it a couple times, but Very I timely. know we're rereading it this this 2021.
0: Yeah,
1: and I'd like I'd like to do an episode specifically on children's literature. Mm. So elevating children's literature. Mm-hmm guest in mind Ooh. um but this is like our family's favorite it's jonathan beans this is my home this is my school and you can tell there's duct tape and stuff and pages <laughs> are falling out and this is actually the second copy we only we read wrote. it once and it, it fell <laughs> so out. it got dis- <laughs> it got destroyed once before and then the second copy that we got has gotten duct destroyed yeah yeah so, so.
0: we want to hear yours want to hear your rereads what are the books that are old friends for you as we said before uh, we want to hear about them, and we we, we talk about them. So, uh,
1: yeah, and so drop that in the comments below. But also, please reach out to us, comment, um, join the app where you can talk with show creators. We really want to know what topics you would like to hear discussed and elevated. So please let us know for this 2020 what you are interested yeah. in.
0: Well, thanks again for joining us for Elevate Ordinary. Again, I'm John Mark Grody. This is Teresa. This show is about the ordinary aspects of our daily lives where there is romance and drama. If we can just dig a little deeper under the surface to see what God is calling us to and and offering us through those little things. Uh, As I mentioned at the beginning, uh, if you like what we're doing here, we invite you to join the awaken nation. Go to awakencatholic.org slash donate. If you're passionate about this mission of sharing truth through beautiful media, we'd love to be partners with you. So check that out. And if you do, Uh, Or if you don't, either way, if you're just along for the ride here, check out the app. Go to theawakenapp.io. We just launched a new app. You can get it from the the Apple App Store or Google Play, that that kind of stuff. Um, It's a great growing community, a place to interact with the hosts and other members, other people who are passionate about these conversations. Uh, I want to go a little bit deeper, so check out that. And again, we hope you'll join us uh, next week for... Uh, again, this new season of Elevate Ordinary. Uh, thanks again for being with us. God bless.
1: This show and all media on Awaken Catholic is made possible by the Awaken Nation and the Hollow app. The Awaken Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org donate.